This is CliffCentral.com. So now let's get to Rich Mulholland. Uh, way more exciting than an old pop band, and he's on the line uh, live to us from Cape Town on Skype. Hey, Rich Mulholland, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you doing? Excellent. You sound uh, rested and uh, rejuvenated for a Monday. Well, I feel that way. I had to do the school run this morning, so I got up earlier than usual. <laughs> and I just noticed there was like a deep uh, timber to your voice. It sounds good. Yes. Hello there. Hi. Okay, that, that suddenly your Skype. So here's the yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh-oh. I, I actually started my career uh, as a – oh, dear. Oh, boy. There it goes. There goes the line. Let's just give it a second. You started your career as what? A super trooper operator. Really? Yeah. Huh. I was I'm not uh, surprised. <laughs> yeah, I used to. T- I used to tour with uh, bands do- as a lighting designer, and obviously the first place you start is on Follow Spots. So that was my. Uh, that was the start of my lighting career. Wow, dude! Yeah, yeah. You, you, that must. Uh, that song. You must hate that song. Yeah. No, I love it. It gives me it gives me nostalgia. <laughs> All right, what's bothering, so here's the, what's, what's bothering well, here's you or interesting thing. you today? Yeah, go ahead. So I want to talk a little bit about – I mean, I have another topic, but I want to mm-hmm. discuss a bit about you, – you guys were chatting about ABBA and things. Mm-hmm. But have you ever stopped to think about how – I mean, Sweden has a population of 9.9 million people. Yes. Yet they have far, far, far more number one hits than they deserve. Yes. There are so many, and I was, I'm curious to know, because I actually uh, went on a punk rock tour once uh, in Sweden, and I found out why that was. But I mean, I don't know if, you, if you're aware, bands like Europe, Final Countdown, The Hives, in, in punk rock, it's uh, uh, Colin and Metal, there's like In Flames, there's Ace of Bass, yes. Cotton Eye Joe, Roxette, sure. all of these Swedish bands. And are you aware why that is? No, tell me. So... Um, I actually think it's a case study generally in how education can be done better. So I went over there and I was staying with the owner of a record company called Bad Taste Records. And I said to the guy, like, how come you guys hit above your weight so much? You know, again, I'd have been on tour with Roxette previously and, of course, ABBA. And he said, well, it's very, very simple. He said, at school, we all have to study music. So hmm. it's compulsory that you study music at school. However, the school doesn't decide what music you study. You can choose any genre of music you want. And whatever genre you choose, that's what you'll be graded on. So if you want to choose death metal, then you will go through death metal and that's what you will practice at school. And your music teacher will gauge, will gauge you on how well you prefer, um, play death metal, not on how well you play the music, you know, to the Annie musical. And, and you have to do this the whole way through school. So primary school and secondary school. I'm not 100% sure, but it, it was, the guys just said to me that it was compulsory. So that's, I can't remember the detail offhand. That's terrific. But what I loved, yeah, was the, the, the idea that they, they, they understand that people don't, everybody loves music. But when we say that, we don't mean the term generically. We mean we like music that we like. Yeah. So their, their belief was, well, if we want kids to go up liking music, let's teach them how to play the kind of music they love already. And I think that's a fundamental um, shift in education. And if you consider how well that's done with regards to, uh, uh, you know, how well they performed on the world charts with regards to music, I mean, mm-hmm. they hit way above their weight class. I like that. I think that that's, a, that's an interesting way of looking at education. And I think if we had to inject some of that into our curriculum, because we teach kids the stuff that we think will help them in a career, but actually – what you should be learning is about learning. 
And if you can right. learn, if you can learn to play an instrument, then that that it makes your mind more useful. It makes you a, a, a more interesting human being, and that'll enable you to interact with more, uh, you know, more people. And then those people will provide you with opportunities potentially in your life. It's phenomenal. It's very easy. It's very simple. Very straightforward. Why don't we do it? Exactly. I mean, I guess also that the. The create any of the creative arts it does teach you a way of thinking differently around different things as well which is powerful yeah all right so it's the reality check um what's okay. uh, what's what's on your mind this morning okay so we've all heard at some stage a variation on the following statement um it says that 55 percent of the overall message is how a person looks when delivering a message their body language 38 percent a person sounds their voice and seven percent is what they actually say the words that they use right Right now, um, I saw another presentation professional present this recently, um, and I was so frustrated by it that I ended up actually putting it in my recent newsletter. And I wanted to talk about it here right now. Uh-huh. If this was true, okay, if, if you stop and think about this for a second, and we we refer to this as the Moravian myth, if you, if you stop and think about this for a second, it means that you would be able to watch foreign films without subtitles, right? Yeah. It would be no problem. And you guys on the radio, you'd be properly screwed. Yeah, because, you know, it would, it would confuse the bejesus out of us. Mm-hmm. And so so I want you to imagine for a second that I was standing and I, I was I was maybe t- t- telling you a story and I'm, I was slumped, slumped over and my voice was you know low and not really into it. And I explained to you, though, that you'd won a million bucks. If that was the case, what you would remember later is that you'd won the, won the million bucks. If equally I was happy and merry and I told you that I'd crashed your car, you would remember that fact. And it's this idea that we, we, we stop and we believe on face value such a, a fallacy uh, that, that amazes me. So and I guess you have to go back to Are you saying it's not true? It's not true? It's that we absolutely take- not true. It's, it's a complete myth. Uh, it's called the Moravian myth. So it's the idea. So this guy, um, what's his name? Uh, Albert Moravian in 1968 it was actually released in a book in 71 that he wrote. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's called Silent Messages. Uh, he basically put out, and all he was basically saying was he, and he did a very small test at Stanford, like 20, 30 people. And he was basically saying in an emotional conversation, if somebody says one thing, but their body language, um, dictates something else, then we can often ascertain something different from the body language. So for example, if let's say Jazz and I were, had a bit of an argument mm-hmm. and then we finished the argument and then I turned around to her and said to her, so, uh, is action still on the table later? If she turned around and said to me, oh, yeah, totally, 100%, totally, totally, um, then I would, the words would say, yes, I'm getting laid. But her tone of voice and the look she gave me would tell me, don't be a dumbass. Of course you're not, uh-huh. right? And that is the, that was the only thing that he was referring to. So what happened is communication specialists start preaching this as if this was some kind of reason why the most important thing you could do when delivering a message is get your body language correct. And it's just not true. In fact, Morabian spent the second part of his life trying to explain to people, guys, just stop quoting on me on this. This is absolutely ridiculous. He was simply saying that voice and body language must be consistent with each other. Uh, And if the receiver of information sensed an inconsistency, uh, they would always rely on um, 
other detail outside of the words to to get the overall message. That was all he was saying. Because, um, Rich, people have been telling me this, and I just took it as gospel, that, you know, your body language accounts for so much more, and then, then your tone of voice, and then only at the last little bit, it's it's all about what you're actually saying. And I actually started to believe this. I started thinking, well, that's why some presentations are better than others, but I could never really figure out how. Yeah, I mean, so again... It's it's simply one of these things that has been said so often, so incorrectly. And again, the guy who originated it kept on trying to get the world to stop using it out of context. Mm. And it has been said so much that people have started accepting it. And why I bring this up today is, one, I think people should know about it. I think we need to debunk this from a public speaking point of view and understand that what you say is actually important. The words you choose and how, you know, when you're delivering a message to people, turns out they are the most important thing you can say because it, it's what creates all your meaning. But the body language you use will help give gravity to certain things. So it, it's not to say it's completely unimportant, but it is, it's not the most memorable element. You know, people will walk away and, you know, they all say things like, oh, they won't remember what you said, but they'll remember how you make them feel. Uh, to some degree. But if that's all you've done, you're a shit speaker. If I get off the stage and all you remember is, oh, that guy was funny, I've done a terrible job. I just need you to remember one thing of detail because the job of any time you're delivering any kind of presentation is to activate your audience, is to make your audience do something differently, not feel in a different way. And the reason this is so important is a feeling is fleeting. It lasts for a few minutes and then it disappears. This is why motivational speakers are such a bad idea. Because it's like taking a spoonful of sugar. You feel great for a second and then you get out, you know, the next day life bitch slaps you upside the head and then you're back to normal. Yeah, good now, point. The reason I bring this up for me, other than, I, again, the obvious, is I think we need to ask ourselves critical questions every time somebody spouts out something like this. And I think if we did this a little bit more, we probably wouldn't be having the ridiculous debates we have around flat earth. Uh, or uh, should children be given a vaccine? Somebody spots out a small number of facts, and because people don't look into it, they start believing those facts. They don't question the validity and logic of them, and then they just, you know, leave it, take it as face value. And to quote the words I have on my arm, you know, reclaim yourself, question everything. I've got that tattooed on me. Mm -hmm. You actually have to question everything that you are told today. And only once you feel that you've questioned it, and you're comfortable with what you found to be true, should you be going forward and, 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 and continuing that line of thought and to spread uh, that meme? I love that. I think that's, uh, that's very helpful because I, I've been misled by this stuff, just like so many other people probably have, that it's, it's not about what you say. It's about how you make people feel. And, of course, that's an important component in it because if you make them feel a certain way, they're likelier to absorb information. But that is not the be-all and the end-all. And actually, right, exactly. the, the content, uh, you're saying the content itself matters. I mean, of course the content matters. If I'm trying to explain to you a, something uh, deep and meaningful or about a way that you can fix your business and I'm doing a presentation on it, uh, on, you know, three steps you can take to get to a billion listeners worldwide or whatever the case may be. If you leave feeling uh, warm and fuzzy, but you can't remember what I said, that's not a great presentation. Yeah. But if you leave feeling emotionally nothing, but intellectually, you realize, wow, these three steps, that makes perfect sense. And you do something about it. That to me is far more powerful. The, the problem is that we are so – we've almost accepted that most people are bad at this. So instead of having people leave bored 
and emotionally like tired and, and drawn out from your presentation. We think, well, if we can make them feel, you know, happy and then it was a great, you know, or feel good about themselves, it's a great presentation. But it's really not. You're, you're, when you stand up in front of a group of people, you know, if you're spending one hour delivering a message to a hundred people, you're spending an hour of time. They're, they're paying a hundred hours of attention. Act accordingly. Mm. Right. If you, you do not change those people when they get, when, when they walk out that room, you failed. If you don't give them something to do differently. And again, I guess there are some times where, you know, you might be standing, for example, somebody might ask you just to come and tell your story. Mm. And again, you could do that, but the opportunity wasted for me is, oh, sorry, that's the opportunity wasted for me is the chance for you to finish that story and for people to walk away and to be able to help create a better story for themselves. Beautiful. All right, Rich, it's always worthwhile chatting to you on a Monday. Thank you very much. There's our reality check for today, and have a good day in, in Cape Town today. Thanks so much, guys. Right, you too. too. Cool. Bye. There we go. Rich Mulholland, everybody, with a little look at uh, how you can live your life a bit better. Makes a lot of sense. Those people who say to you that body language is all of it, bullshit. You just heard it. Even the guy who said that first tried to spend most of his life trying to dismantle what had become a, a, a bullshit story that got out of control. So there it is. Don't let anyone tell you that stuff again. This is CliffCentral.com.